All right, what's up, Trace family? How are we feeling today? Everybody feeling good? Hey, thank you for not being sissies and brave in the weather. Give it up for yourself for making it here today. All of you watching online, you're sissies. So thank, I'm just, they're never coming back now. So now we are glad if you're able to tune in online as well. Obviously we love that you can join us that way, but seriously thankful for each and every one of you. Thanks for braving the weather. Only in Colorado, right? It snows and there was no forecast as far as I know for snow. Uh, but we're glad that each and every one of you are here. Uh, a couple things really quick before we get to my sermon today. Um, the first thing is if you're new, uh, we have a, what we call a Becoming a Trace luncheon that we ask that you attend. It's your next step. If you're new and you've been coming, it's like, hey, what's my next step? That is your next step. Uh, it's one of the favorite things that I get to do. We're doing it next week. We actually added this particular Becoming a Trace luncheon because we've got so many new people joining us. Uh, I think we've already got like 50 people that are registered for this particular one. And so we offer it after the second service. So it starts around 12, 15, 12, 30, something like that. We serve you lunch. We'll take care of your kids. Uh, but we do need you to register. That way we know about how many people are coming. In this class, I'll talk to you a little bit about uh, the life of Trace Church, how it all kind of came together, uh, give you a little bit more clarity on the mission and vision. We give you an opportunity to ask questions. They could be theological questions. They could be personal questions about me if you just want to know your pastor a little bit better. And honestly, that's what it does. It gives me an opportunity to know you a little bit better and you an opportunity to get to know me a little bit better. Uh, I also wanted to let you know that if you didn't get my email this week, um, I sent an email, email out this week letting you know that this... Uh, Today, I was gonna say this Sunday. Uh, today, uh, I'm gonna have a family moment with you. Uh, I do this from time to time when I need you to hear something very specific from me. And so I wanna encourage you, don't leave early today. Uh, we've got a lot in store for you today. Uh, but don't leave early because at the end of our time together, I'm just gonna share with you uh, some things that again, I just need you to hear from me personally. Sound good? All right. Well, today we're concluding a series that we've been in for the last several weeks called Break the cycle. And I would have to admit that this has been one of the most impactful series that we've ever done. Uh, based on your input, based on the feedback that we've been given, based on emails that many of you have sent me, uh, we know that God has used this series in a very, very significant way. And I would tell you that today is going to be no different. I believe today has the potential to be incredibly significant in your life that today has the potential to be a pivotal moment in your faith. I think today as we conclude this series called Break the Cycle, that God may even give some of you a breakthrough. And I've been praying for two things all week, two words specifically. I've been praying that you would receive and you would respond. That you would receive and that you would respond. That you would receive what I have to say. And let me just give you a heads up. Some of the things that I say today are gonna be challenging in nature. And then you would respond however you feel the Holy Spirit is leading you to respond. And that you would resist the urge, you would resist the temptation that if you do, do feel something happening, like if God starts to point something out to you, maybe something that you haven't been paying enough attention to, whether it's a pattern, whether it's part of a, a sinful struggle that you've had for a while, that if God starts to surface something inside of you, that he wants you to potentially even take a very tangible action step in today, I pray that you would resist the tendency and the temptation to push that aside and maybe even convince yourself, you know what, maybe one day I'll deal with that. Maybe one day I'll take the time to maybe dig into that a little bit more deeply, but not today. I would encourage you, strongly encourage you, plead with you not to do that today, that you would receive 
what I have to say, what I feel like God has led me to say to you today, and that you would be ready to respond. Because today, what I wanna talk about is breaking the cycle of spiritual passivity. And I'm gonna hit three particular categories. Speaking up, surrendering, and sin. Speaking up, surrendering, and sin. So let me pray for us. Father, I pray, we pray. We pray that you would begin right now working on our hearts and minds. That if there's something that we have brought in here with us that would cause us to not receive what you have for us today, that would cause us to not be completely engaged, that would cause us to be a little bit too passive with what it is that you're wanting us to pay more attention to, that you would strengthen us through our inner being, through the power of your Holy Spirit to pay attention, to receive. And if your Holy Spirit leads us to respond in a specific way, that we would be obedient in that response. God, we ask for you to move powerfully in this room this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. Well, a few weeks back, um, if you're an NFL fan, then you likely caught wind of this story, maybe even saw the scene transpire of a very tragic situation that took place on the field. DeMar Hamlin, who's a safety for the um, Buffalo Bills, they were playing the Bengals. My brother-in-law was actually at this game, but what happened is DeMar, he tackled a guy, stood up and immediately collapsed and went into cardiac arrest. And they were performing CPR on him on the field. They had to hook up an automatic defibrillator that allowed his heart to, heartbeat to be restored. And you can just watch people, specifically players, fall to their knees and begin to pray, not knowing if their teammate is going to survive. It was a really powerful moment to which he has survived and he's doing well. And maybe you heard about that. But maybe what you didn't hear about is the bold move that a ESPN analyst made when he decided to go against protocol and pray on the air. Check this out. Um, football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm -hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him and I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want to, it's just on my heart that I want to pray for. It is. DeMar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God, and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're... we're sad, we're angry, um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up DeMar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful. Respectfully. Doesn't that make you want to clap? <laughs> and why is that? Like, why is it we watch something like that and we're like, yes, yes. It's because we see someone making a bold move in the name of God 
So what is it that leads somebody like this gentleman to go against protocol, to policy and procedure and to make a bold move and pray? I can guarantee you a conversation was had with him. Hey, that was great and I'll just don't do it again. It's boldness. I would suggest to all of us this morning that the thing that is missing in the average believer's life is boldness. For whatever reason, we've just allowed spiritual passivity to enter into our life and we've started to be quiet where God is leading us to speak up. And so it begs the question, what is it? Like what happens that allows us to to welcome spiritual passivity into our life. And maybe we're not just welcoming it. Maybe we're just doing things, some things even subconsciously and with time, with a little concession here and a little compromise there, all of a sudden we find ourselves being silent with the greatest message of all mankind. What causes us to be so spiritually passive with the greatest message that this world will ever hear? I mean, think about it with me for a second. We carry with us the message of life or death. We literally carry with us the message of heaven or hell, of complete redemption and restoration or complete ruin. We carry with us the name that is above every other name that has the ability to replace the sin and shame in people's life with salvation. We've experienced what it's like to have the guilt removed from our life only to be replaced with the amazing grace of Jesus. Why in the world are we not speaking up about this message that can set people free, literally? Why are we allowing spiritual passivity to enter into our life, causing us to be silent when Jesus is calling us to speak up? Now, by all means, I get that our faith is personal, but it was never meant to be private. And the message of Jesus was clear. Hey, if you, if you wanna follow me, then I want you to lead people to me. If you really wanna follow me, my mission for every one of you is to lead people to me. Let me illustrate it this way. Some of you have potentially been in a situation at some point in time that was kind of one of those shocking events where something was transpiring in front of you and you didn't really even know what to do about it. And it was so shocking that you knew somebody needed to speak up. Somebody needed to say something. Maybe it was how a parent was treating a child, maybe abusing them in public, hitting them in public. Maybe it was how a spouse was treating another spouse. Maybe it was how a student was treating a teacher. And it was so shocking and it was so out of place and it was so disrespectful or whatever that some, we, you, like, you felt it, like somebody's gotta say something. Somebody's gotta speak up. Some, like we can't just allow this to happen. But when nobody spoke up and when nobody said anything, it just made that silence feel that much more tense. The silence just felt awkward. A couple weeks back, my assistant Taylor was telling our team a story of something similar that happened to her here recently. She was at an antique store and there was a gentleman who was waiting on this female staff member to help him out. And she was trying to fix something and get something figured out for him. She didn't know exactly what it was, but this female staff member at this antique store was trying to fix something for this gentleman to get, so he could get checked out and she couldn't get it fixed to which this guy who's waiting on her to get this thing fixed looks at another male staff member and says, I guess you can't fix stupid, can you? Nobody said anything. 
And then she finally fixes the register or whatever it was so that she can check him out. She was the same person checking him out at the register. And this is the worst part. He handed her a keychain with a Bible verse on it. Anybody else hate being lumped in the same basket of those kind of Christians? And he said to her, it was I'm not done, he said, hey, you're probably going to need this because my guess is you can't drive either. Can I take a detour for a second? I have three daughters. And if any man ever spoke to one of my daughters that way, somebody's going to have to come bail me out of jail. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you can clap if you want. And somebody in here is probably like, well, Pastor Aaron, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. Oh, don't worry. I'll turn his other cheek. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. And amen. Let's move on. Awkward silence. When it makes complete sense, based on what has transpired or is transpiring, it makes complete sense that somebody needs to say something. Somebody needs to speak up. Church family, after everything that God has done for us, after everything that Jesus has endured for us, after everything that we've been forgiven for, I imagine when we don't speak up, it's probably awkward silence to God. I wanna remind you of something Paul said when he wrote to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter two. He said this, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, ready, every knee should bow. I want us to pause there. Every knee should bow. It's not that he's making you bow, but based on what he's done for us, should. Every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord the glory, to the glory of God our Father. You see, the natural response for the forgiveness that all of us have received from God because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the natural response to that is to surrender to him and to speak of him. That's the natural response. Like when you really understand what you've been forgiven for, that he's replaced your guilt with grace, your, saint, your shame with salvation, your mistakes with mercy. Man, the natural response is that we would surrender to him and speak of him. And so can I encourage you to wrestle with a couple questions today? How is surrender a part of your daily walk with Jesus? How do you speak of him intentionally? From time to time, I will encourage people to exercise this posture right here. And real quick, you know what's the difference between people under 40 and over 40 right now? Everybody under 40 is looking at me like, oh, he's still pretty flexible. Everybody over 40 right now saying, be careful. Like, how are you gonna get up? Use that table. <laughs> My knees are popping. 
I'll encourage people to use this posture from time to time. Some of the guys in here know that I've specifically encouraged you to do this. And I don't wanna act like I'm more spiritual than I am because I don't do this as often as I should. But I encourage specifically men, do this from time to time. Before you go to bed, when you wake up, do it with your kids. Because there's something about this particular posture that immediately reminds you that you're surrendering to someone greater than you that you're submitting to someone greater than you. When we uh, buy our new church building, one of the things, pray for me, here we go. One foot, two feet. (laughs) Don't give me that charity. When we buy our new building, I've been talking to my team about this. One of the things that I would like to do is I'd like to buy chairs that actually have kneelers on them. And before you think I'm turning us into a Catholic church, I'm not, but I really wanna do that because I wanna give each and every one of you and me an opportunity to surrender, show, show a physical sign and posture of surrender more often in our faith. We need that, we need that. And it won't be something that we force you to do because it has to be genuine. No pastor or pre- preacher or priest needs to tell you how to, uh, to do that. That's something that you need to want to do out of your surrender. Your, your desire to surrender to an almighty God. And so my hope is that we'll be able to do that. You see, we often open the door to spiritual passivity when we stop submitting and surrendering. We often open the door to spiritual passivity when we stop speaking up about the most important person in our life. We often open the door to spiritual passivity when we're afraid to let people know that Jesus is our Lord and he's our leader, he's our savior and he's our king. And so can I just challenge some of you this morning? Is there a group? Is there a context? Is there a setting where you find yourself not speaking up about the most important thing in your life? Is it at work? Students? Is it around your friends at school? Maybe you even hear somebody saying something that's kind of diminishing or not patronizing, but condemning even of the Christian life or the Christian walk or Jesus himself. And you hear that and everything in you wants to speak up and say, hey, I'm a Christian and this is the most important thing in my life. But you find yourself being silent and you have to admit it this morning, everything in you, especially when you finally walk away from that situation is thinking to yourself, why didn't I say something? Why didn't I say something? This is the most important thing in my life. Jesus died so that I could live. I know that I have the hope of heaven because he was willing to take on hell. Why am I not speaking up about the most important thing in my life? And we've all been there. This is not a guilt trip Sunday. We've all been there. We all have shared experiences where we know we should have said more. And I'm just here to encourage encourage us this morning to speak up, to talk about, listen, I'm not even, I don't need to put words in your mouth. Just talk about the most important person in your life. Talk about the most important thing in your life. We talk about everything else that we love and everything else that brings us joy and hope. Why aren't we speaking up more on behalf of Jesus? One of the things I love about the gospel and one of the things I love about the clarity of the gospel and specifically the words that Jesus spoke is how he really doesn't leave any room for imagination. He tells us what he wants from us. 
In Luke 9, 23, I think, through 26 is probably one of the best examples of this. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple, my student, my pupil, whoever wants me to be the leader and Lord of their life must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Now, for those of you that are new, the reason those crosses are on their sides around the room is because of this verse. Jesus tells us to pick up our own cross, to deny ourselves. In other words, sometimes we have to put aside our own preferences on his behalf. And how do you pick up a cross? Well, you gotta put it on its side first. It's very intentional. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Strong words, ready? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Why don't you hold that thought? Uh, several years ago, Emily and I were flying back to Kentucky. At this point in time, we lived in Arizona, so we were flying out of Phoenix, and we went uh, to Kentucky, where we're both from, to visit with family. And at the time, our 14-year-old, uh, Lily, who's our oldest, was only five, and then Jonathan was around three or four, and then we had a newborn. Um, and we went back to Kentucky and it was one of those trips where it's like, hey, it's great to go visit family, but we're sleeping on couches and blow up mattresses. And so by the time we're coming back to Phoenix, we are exhausted and we're flying with young children on the plane. It's a gift from God, praise God, hallelujah. And uh, we, are, we are done. <laughs> Some of your parents know exactly what that feels like where it's like the kids are being completely awful. They're not listening to us. We don't have that much more patience left in the bucket. And so we are just about to lose it on our kids. But we finally get off the plane. It's like, hey, just let's just make it a little bit longer. We're almost there. And we're on our way to baggage claim. And I think it was Jonathan who hit his sister, Lily. Like just bam, just nailed her to which I lost it. Like I was, I was done. And right at baggage claim, like I didn't have any emotional intelligence left to not just cause a scene. And I'm just like, you guys are being awful. And I'm like screaming at the kids to which my five-year-old Lily at the time said at the top of her lungs, we are not bad children. <laughs> and everybody in baggage claim did exactly what you just did. And it was one of those moments as a father, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm looking at everybody who's laughing and I'm like, <laughs> and then I look at Lily. And then, and then I handed her a keychain. Says, spare the rod, spoil the child. I didn't, I didn't do that. That's full circle. You see what I did there? Some of us, listen. Some of us are recognizing this morning that we've allowed some spiritual passivity to creep into our lives. That maybe our faith isn't the priority that it once was or needs to be. And so maybe you're beginning to kind of share in this sentiment, maybe I'm just a bad Christian. To which I would look at every one of you and say, that's the narrative the enemy wants you to believe. That's the narrative the enemy is trying to feed you. And he's trying to point to some other things to say, hey, listen, listen, this is not a spiritual passivity problem. Look at all these other areas where you continue to fail. And maybe he's pointing out little things in your faith and family and finances and maybe even your friendships. 
And what he's ultimately trying to convince you of is that, you know, in this context, it's, a, it's not a spiritual passivity problem. This is a you problem. You know what? You're the problem. You're the problem. You're the problem. And because you're the problem, that means you're probably isolated in this particular struggle. And that's one of the greatest tactics. Listen to me. That's one of the greatest tactics the enemy loves to use. Like the lie that he loves to use probably more than any other lie is that you're isolated in this. And you can use a lot of different examples of what it could be that you're isolated in. Right now we're talking about spiritual passivity, but he wants to convince you that you're isolated in this. This is a you problem. Because if he can convince you that you're isolated in this, guess what you won't do? You won't speak up. You won't confess it. You won't be vulnerable. You won't be transparent. And if he can make you and keep you feeling isolated in whatever that struggle is or looks like, and he can keep you silent, man, he, that's a playground for him. One of his favorite playgrounds to play on is your isolation. So if he can just keep you isolated, which is why I'm here to tell you today, listen to me, you are not the problem. Sin is. Let me say it again. You are not the problem. Sin is the problem. That's why Jesus came to save us from it. And on one hand, we have to be reminded, like we have to understand that where there's shared str struggle and where there's shared pain, there's shared empathy, which is why it's so healthy to be vulnerable and expose this stuff and be transparent about this stuff. But at the same time, not allowing that to make us feel like it's okay to stay there. Like we don't wanna settle for the status quo, especially when it comes to the sin in our life, that we're all called to wage war against the sin in our life. But exposing it, being transparent about it, being vulnerable with it, it's where it starts. Let me read to you from something that John said in 1 John chapter, uh, chapter one. He said, this is the message we have heard from Jesus and now declare to you that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and God and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Let me say it this way. Spiritual complacency is a natural byproduct of sin comfortability. Can I say it again? Spiritual complacency or spiritual passivity is a natural byproduct of sin comfortability. And oftentimes, when we don't break the cycle of sin in our life, it's that very sin that will end up breaking us. I can't tell you how many times that I have thanked God for not allowing me to hurt somebody really bad or even kill them because of how wasted I was behind the wheel of a car. And I admitted that last service with two of my kids sitting on the front row. I don't like doing that. And it took a jail cell for me to finally open my eyes and see the depth of depravity when it, was come, when it came to my decisions. And even though sin can be hard to admit, maybe somebody needs to write this down. Even though sin can be hard to admit, 
it's way more dangerous to ignore. It's way more dangerous to ignore. So where does that leave us? I would imagine, out of everything that I've said, I would imagine out of everything that I've said this morning that you can identify with something. I would imagine out of everything that I've said this morning that God is surfacing something in your mind, that God is pointing out something specific to you that maybe you haven't been paying enough attention to. Maybe for you it's something that you've struggled with for a while. Maybe it's a cycle of behavior that you have felt stuck in for a long time. Maybe it's awkward silence when it comes to speaking up about your faith and about the most important person in your life, particularly in that context or around that group of people. Maybe it's a lack of daily surrender. Maybe it's sinful complacency. Janet, if you can go back and put that slide up, I think I skipped a slide and I wanna talk about it right here. Do you know why I say this phrase so often that most of us are like the rest of us? It's because it combats the lie that the enemy loves to use. I mean, if the enemy convinces you where it's like, no, 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 that's not the problem, you're the problem, you're isolated in this struggle, you're isolated in this sin, and if he can convince you of that, then you're not gonna speak up, you're not gonna confess. The reason I share that sentiment so often is because it combats that lie. It reminds us that most of us are like the rest of us. And so can I just take us through a really quick exercise to kind of reveal this to us. If God is showing something to you this morning, if God is revealing something to you this morning that you know that you need to pay a little bit more attention to, potentially you need to confess, will you just raise your hand? Will you just raise your hand? Yeah, look around. Most of us are like the rest of us. So here's what we're gonna do. Today, we're going to practice the ongoing ethics of confession and repentance. And we do this, if you're new to Trace, we do this from time to time around here because we strongly believe in this particular practice, that, that we practice the ongoing ethics of confession and repentance because the more that we're not willing to confront our sin, let me say it differently, the more that we're not willing to confess our sin, the more comfortable we grow with our sin. I said this last week, in a different context, but I said there's a better version of you tomorrow if you will confront the uncomfortable truth today. Let me twist it a little bit. There's a more faithful version of you tomorrow if you'll confess the uncomfortable truth today. I believe that. Paul talks about transformation a lot in the book of Romans, how transformation is possible for each of us, which means something that you've convinced yourself of that, that that's not possible for you. There's no way that you could ever overcome that. There's no way that you could ever arrive there. There's no way that you could ever get past whatever it is that you feel like you need to get past. I love looking at people when I'm doing counseling and I'm meeting with people and looking at them and saying, you have to believe that one month from now, two months from now, three months from now, that you could be at a place in your life and in your faith and in your marriage and in your friendships and in your relationships, you could be at a place that right now doesn't even seem possible because that's the power of God at work. That's transformation. But watch, transformation won't happen until you're transparent. Transformation doesn't happen until you're transparent because transparency reveals truth. And Jesus says, truth is what'll set you free. And so if you wanna be set free today, if you want 
that destination that right now you potentially can't even see, that you've removed yourself from the possibility that you could ever arrive there, that you could ever be past the struggle that you felt stuck in for so long. And maybe even go back and revisit some of the messages, messages that, that we've covered in this series when Dr. T talked to us about addiction. That this addiction has been around so long in your life that I just can't see myself ever getting past it. Yes, you can. On your own, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Maybe you think back to what Pastor Isaac shared with us and how we have a tendency in life to chase after things, looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places. And sometimes for many of us, we arrive at whatever it is that we thought was going to bring us that fulfillment only to get there and realize it didn't. That it still came up short. And he taught us and he encouraged us to make sure that we're not pursuing anything in life looking for complete fulfillment other than Jesus. Maybe think about what I shared with us last week about generational dysfunction and how every single one of you have the potential and the power that comes from your heavenly father to overcome the generational dysfunction and the unhealthy patterns in your life and in your family. We're gonna enter into a time right now that I would tell you is going to be the most involved response time that we have ever experienced together as a church. We're gonna do some work. We're gonna do some work. When you walked in today, you received a piece of flash paper and you probably didn't know it was flash paper, but what we're gonna have you do is to write out something, a cycle that you're ready to break, a confession that you need to make, you need to clear the air. And on that flash paper, you can write out, it's kind of hard to write on it, just a heads up. And so you can put it on the connection card that was on your seat and attempt to write on it. You can write out a name that reminds you of what you need to confess. You can write out initials. You can write down a word. But let me remind you of something that James once said. He said, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed, which means, listen to me, there is healing that cannot place, take place until there's confession. There's healing that cannot take place in your life until there's confession. This is a way for us to get some of that junk out of us, some of that stuff that has been stuck in our soul for way too long and we clear the air and maybe we can start breathing again because we know we have worked really hard to keep this hidden. We've worked really hard to keep this in the darkness to which we know that God already knows what it is and so just allow him to bring it into the light. Maybe nobody else needs to know what you confess today. But there's something about practicing the ongoing ethics of confession and repentance that heals our soul, that brings restoration to a hole in our heart that can only be filled by the forgiveness of Jesus. You see, some of you have been carrying around the shame of sin for way too long, and I would tell you that shame cannot survive in the light of vulnerability. Jesus died to take the shame off of you. Sometimes when we allow that sin to stay hidden in our life, it just breeds shame, doesn't it? So let's get that stuff out of us today. Now, the interesting thing about flash paper and why we chose flash paper is because when it's lit on fire, um, it completely disintegrates. There's nothing left, nothing. There's not an ash, there's nothing left. And so the, for the first time in Trace's history, we're gonna have some pyrotechnics today. Come on, somebody, let's go. Also pray that this doesn't go the wrong way. We've got fire extinguishers, so. We've got a couple fire pits that we're gonna put up on stage here in just a moment. 
And again, this is gonna be one of the most involved response times that we've ever had. And we're gonna sing through three songs. And so I would tell you not to be in a hurry. Take your time. And as you think through what that confession needs to be, I want you to write it down. Maybe it's a word, maybe it's initials, maybe it's a name, write out however much you want to write out. And then when you feel led, come up here and drop it in the fire and you'll see it completely disintegrates. It reminds me of Psalm 103, where the psalmist reminds us that when you confess and you invite Jesus to forgive you and you repent, because repentance and confession should always go together, that your sin will be erased as far as from the east is from the west. It's infinity, it's gone, there's nothing left. Which means you don't have to carry around that shame any longer. But allow this moment of repentance to be authentic. Repent, tell God you're sorry, and then tell him how thankful you are that he's removed it from you. During this time, we're gonna do a couple other things as well. Maybe for somebody in here, you've never confessed Jesus as the leader and Lord of your life. We wanna give you that opportunity. Maybe your spiritual passivity is just kind of staying in the shadows a little bit yourself, kind of sitting on the sidelines, not knowing if this is a step you actually wanna take. I wanna encourage you to take this step today. If you are willing to do that, I wanna encourage you to come up and grab a white towel and then your next step is baptism. And on that note, listen to me, let me talk to some of you in here because I know there's still people in our church that this is kind of where they land and just allow me to challenge you this morning where you've been following Jesus for a while, you love Jesus, but for whatever reason, you've decided not to get baptized. And going back to what I said earlier, Jesus made it clear, he both taught it, he modeled it, and then he commanded it. And so if it's your decision to be like, you know what, I don't need to get baptized because I love Jesus, that's spiritual passivity because you're still trying to do faith on your own terms. And so I wanna encourage you today to come forward and just get baptized, follow through on what Jesus asked you to do. And the beautiful thing about baptism, it is, it is the best example. It is the best example of telling everybody else that's observing what you're doing, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to call Jesus the leader and Lord of my life. And I want you to see this. And you go underneath that water, it's a sign of your own personal burial. In Romans 6, it says that you're sharing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus when you go underneath the waters of baptism. And it's, a, it's an outward sign of an inward decision that you're dying. As Luke 9 says, you're dying to your way of life only to live a new life with Christ. If you've never made that decision, the New Testament is clear. This is a decision that you're supposed to make when you are able to make it for yourself. If your parents had you sprinkled when you were little, that is awesome for your parents. But we never see that happen in the New Testament. Every example of baptism that we see in the New Testament is somebody understanding what Jesus has done for them and then following through and being baptized. Last service, we had two people come forward and get baptized on the spot. Let's give it up for that. And if you're thinking to yourself, I don't have any clothes, I wasn't ready for that, we got clothes and we're ready for that. And so all I want you to do is come down, grab one of these towels, we'll have people over there that are ready to receive you. We'll take you back, allow you to get changed and we'll allow you to fight and break the cycle of spiritual passivity today and be baptized. Still for others, we're gonna have some people that have invited that will be over here in this corner that are ready to pray for you. 
And again, just think over the last several weeks of this series, is there something that you would love someone to partner with you and pray over you? Maybe it's breaking a cycle of generational dysfunction. Maybe it's breaking an addiction. Maybe it's something that you need to, that, that your confession needs to go a step further and you need somebody to pray over you when you make this confession. Maybe it's something entirely different, but we wanna pray over you today. I've invited some people that I would tell you are gifted in the power of prayer, not in their own power, but knowing what the power of God is capable of through prayer. Again, the second part of that verse that I read to you earlier from James, he says, confess and pray. Confess to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Several people came forward last service and asked for prayer. I wanna encourage you that if that's you today, come over here and there's gonna be some people, including my wife, I've asked to be over there to pray over you. I wanna encourage you to come forward and receive that. We're gonna sing three songs. So you don't need to be in a hurry. And so as you write down that confession, if you write something down on that piece of flash paper, maybe you just hold it in your hand for a song, for an entire song, just thinking through this. I don't want this to be an empty exercise, God. I want this to be the day that I break the cycle, that I finally break that pattern. That thing that maybe the enemy has convinced me that I'll never be able to break. God, today I want to accept your power that tells me that I'm capable of overcoming this, that no temptation is too great for you to overcome. Maybe as you're sitting in your chairs and you're a married couple and you know things have been awesome lately, maybe it's the day you finally come forward and ask somebody to pray over your marriage. Maybe it's the day that you finally come forward and say, you know what, I have been doing this on my own terms, I'm ready to get baptized. One of the things that we're gonna do as we do this is we're also gonna experience communion together. And so there are gonna be communion tables around the room as well. If you're a follower of Jesus, we wanna encourage you to participate in communion as well. But I just want you to allow this to be a slow experience. Like when I, when I pray for us in just a moment and then tell you you can respond, don't, don't just jump up if you're not ready. This moment has been prayed over all week for you. Don't allow it to go to waste. I'm gonna pray for us and for those of you that maybe haven't been here for very long, you're getting ready to see a video um, take place as we sing this first song. And it is a video that we put together the last time that we went through this exercise together as a church that we were gonna practice the ethics, ongoing ethics of confession and repentance. And out of those confessions that were that were written down from people that come to this church, we created a video, a kind of a creative illustration. And I pray that God uses it today to maybe give you the courage that you need to speak up, to be a little bit more bold, to be reminded that you're not in this struggle alone. But as you see kind of what this illustration becomes at the end, that you're reminded who the most important person in your life is and that you wanna start speaking up and surrendering to him more often. So God, right now, we come into this moment of response. And you know I've been praying for it all week that people would receive what I have to say, more importantly, what you have led me to say, and they would be willing to respond. That this just would not be an act of some kind of empty exercise of going through emotion because I encourage people to, but they would take this moment seriously, that they would not allow this moment to go to waste. And Father, as we take 
take the time to kind of just slowly enter into this time that we would allow the work of your Holy Spirit to begin to break chains, to break down excuses, to break down the lies that we have heard over the years, specifically from our enemy, that it's our problem, that we are the problem. So Father, would you do what only you can do in this moment? Would you allow the space that we feel between us and you feel a little bit less? We feel your closeness. We feel your presence. We feel your partnership. We feel your forgiveness. We feel your grace, your mercy. So God, move powerfully. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When you're ready, feel free to respond.